as we study today, as we examine the passage that we're going to look at today, I just want to keep reminding you that it is a sermon. Jesus is preaching. He is proclaiming. He's standing on a mountainside. And I'm going to quickly, I don't need you to turn there. Just listen to me. The very, very last statement in the Sermon on the Mount, the last statement in the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. And it goes like this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That's how the sermon ends. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he had authority, because he spoke with authority. This is the, the, the stand that Jesus is taking as he approaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, as we um, follow him and then sit down and attend, paying attention to his sermon, he is declaring full authority. Authority over our lives, authority over our households, authority over our marriages, authority over the way we parent, the way we are friends with one another, the way we conduct ourselves in, at work and in relationships and at the gym and where he's claiming full authority over our entire lives. And we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do with that claim. How are we going to respond to that claim of Jesus in our lives? He is the king and the kingdom has come. Um, in your Bible study this week, in a, the little section called Greek to me, I brought about that word cariso or proclamation or to proclaim. It means to preach. It is translated in our Bibles as to preach or to teach. And the sermons are often described as charismatic. It comes from that word. It means that this is a proclamation. And the picture that, that, that comes with that, the kind of mental image that comes along with that word is of, if you can imagine, an ancient village, um, people just kind of living peacefully in an ancient village. They are under a certain kind of laws, a certain umbrella of authority and so forth. And but, but unbeknownst to them, because they didn't have social media, in fact, they didn't have any kind of media, maybe the, the army from their land had been far away engaged in a battle. And the, the results of that battle might take weeks or sometimes even months to return home. And when that news returned home, it would have returned, it would have come in the form of a town crier or someone who was given a rolled up, say like a scroll, rolled up and sealed. And that town crier or carrier or messenger would bring that message into the town, usually running from wherever they came from. And they would stand on top of a pedestal or a platform in the town square in the center of the village and cry out literally, I have news. That is the meaning of the word gospel. It means good news. This is a proclamation of what is very, very good news. So imagine a, a town crier saying, I have the best news. There is a new king on the throne. There has been a takeover, and the new king is seated on the throne. His name is Jesus. He has already claimed full authority. By the time the message gets to this village, that is already true and has been true for some time already. But now we can start acting like it. Now, immediately, upon proclamation, upon hearing of this message, 
we can now start behaving and living our lives as though Jesus is the king, as though he has full authority over our lives. That is the good news. Little Greek word I didn't put in your Bible study, you on gelios, you on gelios. That's the Greek word for gospel. You means good, good. And on gelios, if you think about the way it might be spelled, it says angel, a good angel or a good message. An angel is the word for messenger. This is a good message. This is good news. King Jesus is on the throne. He's taken full authority, and now we can begin to live in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. This invitation is wide open for us. So if you can even imagine yourself as being part of one of maybe this little village where the, the preacher comes in, the, the town crier comes in, the charisma comes in, and begins to proclaim the message of the good news of the gospel. Now, now what? How does your life change? How does that change the way you live every day of your life? How does it change the way you conduct your marriage? How does it change the way you conduct your friendships? How does it change the way you conduct your household? It changes everything that now that Jesus is king. This is very, very, very good news. And this is why when Jesus opens his message, his, his message, his inauguration, his inauguration message of his kingdom, the first word out of his mouth is blessed, fortunate, happy. You should be so happy. You should be so happy because this proclamation is real. The good news has come. The kingdom is here. And we're invited to live in the middle of it, in the midst of it, in the power of it, in the beauty of it. That's the good news of the gospel. And what we find is right here in the Beatitudes that we, life in the kingdom, it doesn't mean that everything is always wonderful and that nothing ever goes wrong. Amen? It doesn't mean that hard things are not going to happen. It doesn't mean that bad days aren't going to come. In fact, right out of the chute, he says... You're happy, you're blessed, even when you're poor in spirit, even when you feel bankrupt, even when you feel broke and broken, and you have nothing to bring to the table, you have nothing to offer a spiritual conversation, even then, you're happy, even then, because you're invited into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You should be happy, or you can be happy, or actually the phrase is, be happy, be happy, be deeply happy, um, foundationally happy, even when you mourn, even when you're, you're crying, and you're so sad, your heart hurts so bad because of an emptiness there, or a void that is there, or some sort of lost friendship, lost person, lost dream, even when you mourn, you can be happy. You can know what it is to be deeply happy because now you're invited to live in the kingdom of heaven where Jesus is king and ruler and Lord of all. And so we find that the kingdom of God is the ultimate happy place. It is where we know that our happiness goes beyond, deeper than our circumstances. It means that we can bring peace to situations of conflict. It means that we can uh, attend to and show mercy to people who are having those hard times 
and those times of struggle that will happen even in the kingdom. It means that we can be happy even if we're persecuted, even if people are making fun of us or setting us aside or ignoring us or leaving us out of their group or in whatever way because of Jesus, we can be happy even in the middle of persecution. This is the ultimate happy place. So the good news has come. The good news has been delivered. It's been proclaimed. The king has come and he has asserted his authority and he has been seated on his throne and he is ready to lead our lives. And so what do we do about that? How do we respond? I'm going to make a suggestion. You don't have to take my advice. Many of you will have long chapters of your life that basically tell the story of not taking the advice that I am about to give. But when you are confronted with a power that is infinitely greater than your own, I recommend surrender. Surrender. You can't fight it. And when you try, it only turns to heartache. It only becomes trial and struggle. King Jesus has asserted his authority over your life. Don't fight it. It's time to raise that white flag and just say, I'm done trying this on my own. I, I am done fighting for my own sovereignty in my own life. I am done trying to be the boss of my own agenda, my day, my week, my marriage, my household. And I'm just gonna wave the white flag and surrender to King Jesus. I'm just gonna set my whole life at his feet and say, it's yours, it's yours. And as I bring everything that is under my authority, in other words, my little kingdom, when I bring my little kingdom underneath the sovereign umbrella of his kingdom, I find I enter the happy place. I find myself to be blessed. That is the wonder of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God. I would ask that you consider that. And as I suggested, um, if you were to think back through your life, um, you might be able to think of a season um, high school, college, young adult, whatever that season might have been when you were like, nah, I think I won't surrender. I think I can handle this better than God can. I think I'm just going to take charge of this section of my life, or I'm going to take charge of this section of my life, or, you know, I'm done with answering to the authority of King Jesus at all. I'm just going to try it on my own for a while. Many of you and think back to a time like that in your life. And they may not be the best stories, might have some fun in them, but they may not be the best stories of your life. But I can guarantee if you will surrender and if you'll come under his authority and leadership and say, you're the king and I am not, then we're able to enter into this beautiful, happy place. The definition that we're going to be working with of the kingdom of God is one I hijacked from Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers. The kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. 
You think about a kingdom, a kingdom is a certain region and it has borders. And the border of a kingdom might be the mountain range, you know, down the western side of it and the river that goes across the northern side of it or whatever. There are definite boundaries to any kingdom. And there are boundaries to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is the range of God's effective will, where what God wants done gets done. And that is why we have the option of living in the kingdom of God or living outside the kingdom of God. When we bring our lives under, within the range of God's effective will, and we say to God, thy will be done, not my will be done, then we bring our lives within the range of God's effective will, and that is the kingdom of God. That is where we live when we are in obedience to God's sovereign will. That can happen to us each day, every day. We can start each day by, by willfully entering the kingdom of God, willfully setting our wills aside. That's the range of God's effective will. And the way in is surrender. To say, I'm gonna wave the white flag, give it to Jesus, and allow him to be king of my life. Um, this week in our Bible study, I asked you to take apart uh, chapter five and verse one, maybe, maybe verses one and two, could be the first two verses, where Jesus um, sees the crowd. And when he sees the crowd, he goes up on the mountainside. And after he goes up on the mountainside, he sits down, a posture for teaching for rabbis of his age. And when he sits down, he begins to speak, or he begins to teach, or he begins to proclaim, and he uses the word blessed. I was going over that scripture again this week, and I, the, the word that caught my attention was saw. Jesus saw, S-A-W. He saw the crowds. Now, there are times, I believe, when Jesus' divinity um, overtakes him, and in that moment, I believe that when Jesus saw the crowds, he saw, S-A-W, each and every individual person in that crowd. I believe that here this very morning, if Jesus were here standing on the stage where I'm standing, he would make eye contact with each and every one of you. And he would say, I see you. I see you. I know you. I know your story. I was there. I'm asking for this position of supreme authority over your life. The invitation is here. I reign, I rule, I am the king. And I see you, I hear you, I'm aware of your presence, and I know you. And the words that follow in the Sermon on the Mount, you can guarantee are aimed directly at your own heart at your own experience, at your own place in life, right now, he sees us. And so, I think those people in the crowd that day gathered in Capernaum, the Bible says that multitudes had began to follow Jesus. Multitudes were gathered, maybe at the well, maybe in some you know, town center in Capernaum, 
and Jesus is there. I like to imagine being in that, in that place, thinking, oh, it's like a high school reunion. There's so-and-so. I haven't seen you for years, and wow, how are you doing, and what's up, and I heard you got married, and this and that, and catching up with people, and, and we're all gathered around this, this charismatic rabbi. Like, have you heard? Have you heard what Jesus said? Have you heard the proclamations he's been making? Have you heard the statements he's been making? Have you heard about the authority he's claiming? And then Jesus, the leader, the one we're all there to see, turns around and leaves town, and he, and he starts to climb a mountain. The question is, are you going to go? Are you going to follow? Or are you thinking, oh, it's hot. Wait a second, I have a long to-do list today. I don't know, I just got my hair done. I don't know if I really want to follow this guy up a mountain today. I don't know if, I, if it's worth that. There are expectations back here. I've got, I've got people waiting for me. I've got this to do, that to do, the other thing to do. Or are you going to say, where he goes, I go. If he speaks, I want to hear it. I want to be within earshot. The people who climbed that mountain today heard the best sermon that had ever been preached. Their hearts were set free. They were invited into the kingdom of God, and their hearts were set free. That's the invitation I want to give you as I leave today. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to be a follower? Is his word something you're going to routinely tune into and then retweet, post, think about, repeat, invite your friends to follow? Are you, are you going to become a follower of Jesus? Are you going to listen, sit and listen to his message and receive it as the invitation for your own heart to be free in the kingdom of God? I'm gonna have you talk about this a little bit at your roundtables as well. Your opening question is gonna be about social media. I want you to talk about that and then think about the people you follow on social media and how that might flow right in to what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer, and then I'm going to invite the upstairs groups, the groups that meet upstairs, to go ahead and move on upstairs. Your, your rooms are waiting for you up there. Each of you have a private room waiting for you upstairs. And the moms groups, you'll just sit tight and meet right here for the next few minutes. But let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, it's by your grace that we understand and receive this proclamation, this declaration. I ask God that having received it, that we would then respond in a way that is appropriate, that we would surrender. As we surrender, I pray that we would find that we are not giving up ourselves, but finding ourselves free and blessed and happy in your kingdom. And I pray it in the powerful name of King Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.